You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. I'd like to thank Zoller for their support of this episode. Zoller makes a really high quality prenatal vitamin. They use things like the active form of folate plus omega-3s like DHA. To check out the vitamin and get a promo code to save 25%, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash vitamin. Last episode, we talked about bug bites during pregnancy and what you need to know about things like mosquitoes, ticks, and bleas. This week, we are talking about your cervix and what it could mean if you have a short cervix or if you're told that you have an incompetent cervix. This came from a few different listener requests, so hopefully this can clear things up on incompetent cervix, short cervix, and what a circlage is. Your cervix is the lower part of your uterus that opens to your vagina. When you're pregnant, this should remain what we call closed, but technically it's really your mucus plug that fills the very small space during pregnancy to keep your uterus closed off and protected from anything entering it during pregnancy. The length of your cervix changes as your pregnancy progresses. And the threshold range that's most widely accepted is that if it's below 25 millimeters, then your cervix could be labeled as short. If you want to look at a study that assessed cervical length throughout pregnancy, I'll link to one in the show notes. This is going to vary from person to person. And like I said, it's going to change throughout your pregnancy. This study looked at 930 women and it measured the length of their cervix and then gives the mean at each week during pregnancy. This isn't going to create solid rules for cervical length, but it can give you a ballpark idea of what the length will be at each week of pregnancy. In addition to your cervix shortening, when you're in labor, your cervix is going to dilate in a face. It dilates by opening up to a final 10 centimeters, and it effaces or thins, which is measured from closed or 0%. And if you touch the tip of your nose, that's about what your cervix feels like in hardness before it ripens or thins or effaces. And that scale goes all the way up to 100%. And at that point, your cervix feels really soft, almost like if you touch your lips. As your cervix dilates and effaces during labor, you might lose your mucus plug. This is sometimes referred to as your bloody show, and it's called that because it could be red and have tinges of blood in it. And this can be a sign of labor. I had this with my first baby the morning before labor started, but I don't remember noticing it with my second. So it doesn't always happen to everybody, but some women do experience that as a sign of labor. So now you have an idea of how your cervix should function during pregnancy and in labor and birth. I suppose we could call this a competent cervix. So what the heck is an incompetent cervix? If your cervix is weak, it could open up early and cause premature labor or cause your baby to be born prematurely. Some causes of this include a history of second trimester miscarriages, if you previously had a cone biopsy or a leap procedure, or if your cervix was damaged during a previous abortion, 
If your cervix dilates and effaces too early, it could cause preterm birth or a late-term miscarriage. And I'm not a huge fan of the term incompetent cervix. I like that about as much as I like calling women over 35 advanced maternal age. But your doctor or midwife is likely going to use these terms. So that's how I want to refer to it so that you are going to be able to have a discussion with your doctor and use the same terminology so that you're both on the same page. An incompetent cervix is relatively rare. And this affects up to 1% of pregnant women, and it's estimated to occur in about 8% of women who have recurrent mid-trimester losses. There is no definitive diagnostic test for an incompetent cervix, but assessing cervical length does help with assessing risk for preterm birth. I mentioned that the threshold most widely accepted is that below 25 millimeters is considered a short cervix. But when you're assessing an incompetent cervix, length is not the only measurement that your doctor is going to be looking at. Cervical dilation also plays a role. So by itself, a short cervix may not indicate that there could be an increased risk for having an incompetent cervix. There is a procedure that can assist you if it is deemed that your cervix is incompetent, and this is referred to as a cerclage. This is a surgical procedure in which your cervix is surgically closed. And you may also sometimes hear a cervical cerclage referred to as a cervical stitch. If it's caught early, the optimal time for this procedure is between 12 to 14 weeks. And if the need for this arises later, then it's called an emergent cerclage. And if an emergent cerclage is done, then it's likely that you're going to require the same procedure in future pregnancies. And this procedure is done with pain medications, and it's typically done with an epidural or a spinal block. There are three types of cerclages. The first is the McDonald's. This is the most common. And in this procedure, the thread is sewn into and around the cervix, and this is performed transvaginally. The Shirodkar cerclage is similar to the McDonald, but the thread is sewn through the walls of the cervix so that the thread's not exposed. A McDonald cerclage is easier to take out, and that can usually just be done in your doctor's office. Whereas if you ended up with a Shirodkar cerclage, then that's likely going to need to be removed in a hospital. According to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, The superiority of one suture type or surgical technique over another has not been established. And the third type of cerclage is the least performed, and this involves placing a band around the outside of the cervix through the abdomen. This could be suggested if the cervix is too short for a cerclage, or if a cerclage was put in and it failed. And an abdominal cerclage would require a cesarean birth. And after birth, this could be removed or it could be left in for a future pregnancy. Typically, if you have a McDonald's or a Shirodkar cerclage, the thread is removed around week 37. And this is to allow your cervix to dilate when you go into labor. And a cerclage is considered successful if your baby's born at 37 weeks or later. Like any surgical procedure, there are some risks 
And these include premature labor, cervical dystocia, which means that your cervix doesn't dilate normally during labor, premature rupture of the membranes or your water breaking, infection of the amniotic sac, which is known as chorioamnionitis, injury to your cervix or bladder during the surgery, cervical infection, laceration of your cervix. That happens if you go into labor and your cervix dilates before the circlage is removed. And then lastly, any risks associated with the anesthesia that's used for the procedure. The rates of all of these risks vary based on the timing and indications, and the risks are greater, especially for hemorrhage with an abdominal circlage. We've covered how your cervix operates, what an incompetent cervix is, and circlage, but what does the research and the evidence say about this? Just before I dive into that, I want to thank the sponsor for today's episode. Thank you to Zoller for their support of this episode. Zoller makes my favorite prenatal vitamin, and I like this for a lot of reasons, mostly because of the high quality ingredients they use, like the active form of folate, a really bioavailable form of iron, plus it has omega-3s like DHA. This is the prenatal vitamin that I took throughout my entire last pregnancy and that I am still taking every day today. Plus, right now, if you buy it on Amazon, which is the cheapest place to get it online, if you want to leave a review, you can be entered to win a Bugaboo stroller. It's a pretty sweet stroller, and they're giving away one a month. For details on that, more info on the vitamin, and to get a promo code to save 25%, go to PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash vitamin. Let's talk about the research and evidence around an incompetent cervix and circlage. A Cochrane review of 15 trials and 3,490 women came to the conclusion that cervical circlage reduces the risk of preterm birth in women at high risk of preterm birth, and it probably reduces the risk of perinatal deaths. There was no evidence of any differential effect of circlage based on previous obstetric history or short cervix indications, but they do note that data was limited in these groups. The question of whether circlage is more or less effective than other preventative treatments, particularly vaginal progesterone, remains unanswered. So I'm going to put a link to this full review in the show notes if you want to read more about the specific trials that they included. I was also able to find clinical guidelines from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and I'll link to those in the show notes. There are a few points from these guidelines that I do want to point out. A short cervical length, which is measured with an ultrasound, has been shown to be a marker of preterm birth in general, rather than a specific marker of cervical insufficiency. Progesterone might be recommended in this case, and I am planning on an episode on this in the very near future, so stay tuned for that. They also note that certain non-surgical approaches, including activity restriction, bed rest, and pelvic rest, have not been proven to be effective for the treatment of cervical insufficiency, and their use is discouraged. So basically, a short cervix alone does not mean that you should get a circlage. But if this is something that you need, 
things like bed rest aren't going to solve your issues. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists states that a circlage is indicated in a few cases. The first is based on your history. If you have a history of one or more second trimester losses related to painless cervical dilation and in the absence of labor or abruption of your placenta, or if you had a prior circlage due to painless cervical dilation in the second trimester. The next instance in which a circlage may be indicated is based on physical examination. If you're experiencing painless cervical dilation in the second trimester. And lastly, if you have a current singleton pregnancy, so you're not pregnant with twins, and a prior spontaneous preterm birth at less than 34 weeks, and you have a short cervical length, again, there's that less than 25 millimeters, before 24 weeks of gestation, then a circlage may be indicated. ACOG also states that a circlage may increase the risk of preterm birth in women with a twin pregnancy and a cervical length of less than 25 millimeters, and this is not recommended. The Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada states that present data do not support the use of elective circlage in multiple gestations, even when there is a history of preterm birth. Therefore, this should be avoided. So if you are expecting twins, that may change things or limit your options. If you have a short cervix or having issues with your cervix, or if you're at risk for preterm birth. And I also poured through the clinical guidelines for the Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada, and I'll link to those in the show notes. And they're very similar to the guidelines from ACOG. Okay, let's break down what does all of this mean? Online, many people view a circlage as simply sewing up your cervix to prevent preterm birth. The thinking behind this is that by keeping your cervix closed, your baby's going to remain safely inside. But that really doesn't address any of the complexities behind this. Circlage is helpful and it's evidence-based in some cases, but not all, and not solely based on your cervix being short. Because there are risks associated with this, it is not something that should be done prophylactically, meaning preventatively, unless it's really indicated. And it's important to discuss all of the risks and benefits of any procedure with your doctor or midwife. If you fall into a category where a circlage is recommended and you're comfortable with the benefits and the risks based on your individual scenario, then here is what you can expect for the procedure. Before the procedure, you'll likely have an ultrasound. Your doctor wants to make sure that you don't have an infection and they are either going to take a swab of your vagina or do an amniocentesis which is inserting a needle into your belly to pull out a sample of the amniotic fluid. You will have an epidural or a spinal block so that you don't feel anything during the procedure. Women who have a circlage typically spend a few hours to an overnight stay at the hospital. An ultrasound may be performed to check on your baby. And following the procedure, obviously you want to follow your doctor's orders. They may recommend holding off on intercourse for a short time. 
You could experience some cramping or spotting. Your vaginal discharge may increase and it could get thicker, which could potentially last throughout the rest of your pregnancy. Following a circlage, if you have any signs or symptoms of infection, like a fever or any signs of preterm labor, you want to contact your doctor or your midwife immediately. I am always a fan of contacting your care provider if you're worried about anything, because it's always going to be better to err on the side of caution and put your mind at ease. And typically, you're going to get the thread removed between 36 to 37 weeks. Or if you have an abdominal circlage, then you would be scheduling a cesarean birth. So this is really a simplified summary of how the procedure works and what you can expect before and after, but at least you have a general idea of how that procedure goes. To recap today's episode, we talked about your cervix, how that works during labor and birth, what it could mean to have a short cervix, what it means if your cervix is incompetent, and the surgical procedure, which is known as a cervical circlage, which can be used to correct that. I want to thank you for tuning into the pregnancy podcast today. I hope you find this episode helpful. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 135.